Monetization. That is the golden term of our age. You know, podcasting is kind of like a digital gold rush. Back in the 1800s, a few people discovered gold in the Klondike region of Alaska and Canada and became instant millionaires. And so thousands upon thousands of people heard about these stories, these tall tales of instant riches finding gold, and they rushed to the area, hence the term gold rush, in hopes of finding some gold of their own. Towns in the area sprung up overnight. Some of the great poetry and literature of the 19th century by the likes of Jack London and Robert Service was inspired by this insane rush for gold and instant riches. Well, a lot of folks made the trek. They left everything behind, their homes in the U.S., maybe in Canada, only to arrive in the Klondike area and realize that all of the claims on land with gold had long been, well, claimed. And the folks who had claimed these parcels of land, well, they weren't too eager to share their riches. I'm sure that some of them, when they realized they had to actually work to find gold, got a little discouraged and gave up. Well, today, here in the 21st century, people see the likes of Tim Ferriss, John Lee Dumas, Ben Greenfield, the list goes on and on and on, who have seemingly struck gold with their podcasts. And so there's been a mad rush to basically copy the superficial elements of their shows, thinking they're, they're going to get rich just like these folks have, or they think they have, only to find that it's not quite that easy. Here in 2021, things have calmed down just a little bit. But in 2015, when I got started in the podcasting craft, the blatant copycattery of people like John Lee Dumas, who I followed very closely at the time, was unbelievable. People set up their podcasts exactly the same way. They asked the exact same questions. They tried to mimic his tone, his energy, even his posture and cheesy smile for their social media profiles. I was chuckling to myself as I was typing this post, just thinking about the complete absence of originality that these folks had. Now, don't worry, John is a friend of mine, so he won't mind me poking fun at him. I mean, the guy is a little bit cheesy, is he, is he not? But where these dim folk who copied John completely missed the mark is what goes on under the water that made his business successful even nine years after he began it. It's like they're copying the tip of the iceberg that they see above the water and totally ignore the rest of the iceberg, 99% uh, of which is underwater. Their big mistake is that they mistook his podcast as the product that he was selling, when in reality, what he was selling was, wait for it, wait for it, community. People who listen to John's show feel connected to him personally. They feel connected to other people who listen to his show. Same with Ben Greenfield, who does a really amazing job of making complete strangers feel like they belong to the tribe just by pressing play on his show. And people who listen to his show, they feel connected to each other uh, because they listen to uh, Ben Greenfield. Now, it is that that we should be looking to build, not a better podcast, not better album cover art, better intonation, etc., etc. 
we need to quit looking at the superficial and focus on that which is under the water, and that is community. When we build a tribe of folks around that which we're creating and communicate with them regularly, like daily emails, a daily Facebook post, a daily Twitter post, daily Instagram, a daily email turned into a podcast, etc., etc., the more frequent, the better, people. It's a no-brainer when you have something to sell, be it a podcast, a course, a book, an album, whatever. They'll buy it without even reading the sales page because they just like you, because you're transparent, you're honest, you're genuine. They love you for who you are, and when you have something to sell, they're going to buy it. So there is gold in them thar hills, matey, but it's not going to dig itself. By the way, recently I interviewed John Lee Dumas for a little podcast project that I it's called Podcast Artistry, and I have it. I produce it for clients and would-be clients for a little podcast production business. And I'm actually going to share the meat and potatoes of the interview with John Lee Dumas with you right now. So enjoy it, and thanks for listening. Vietnam. <laughs> John Lee Dumas. You sound like you have amazing audio over there. Well, it would be... I would have to attribute to my beautiful wife. It's I, I give her all <laughs> well, the credit. Beautiful and skilled. That's a good combination. <laughs> well, John, this is my wife, Sana. Hi, John. Hi, Sana. Nice to meet you. Uh, E-meet. E-meet, yeah. <laughs> E-meet. I love E-meeting. Are we doing audio only, brother? Yes, sir. Cool. Let me just turn off this bright light in my face then. This will be amazing. So Sana and I have actually been um, kind of talking you up. We did the... Uh, Shameless plug for your book already. Oh, I love that. Thank you for the shameless plug, Sana. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> anyway, what we were talking about, and we're just recording here, John, so we're just going to continue our conversation. But I think love it. Like the secret sauce of um, success is basically sharing your passion and saying the thing that only you can say and just saying it over and over and over and basically over-delivering on your uh, uh, on your offerings and the value that you can share with other people. So I'm sure that you can speak to that. I mean, listen, I only know a few things. I'm only really good at a couple things. And I just focus on those things. Like that's how I spend my day. And that's why I love saying the zone of fire. Like I am literally living in my zone of fire right now, talking to you, James, talking to you, Sana, because this is where I flow. This is where my best use of my time is. And, you know, like I said, I have a few things that I know are true. And then I have a lot of things I have no clue about. I stay away from the things I don't know anything about. And I talk about the few things that I know over and over again. It's, it's good to have like a working knowledge of the things that, that you're not, that are not your strengths. Uh, but, but like you said, really zone in on on what is the, the the most profitable and by profitable I'm not talking about money I'm talking about what is going to make you the best person and just really crush those things and that that's what you've done really well well and I honestly do do believe that most people know what they're not good at we're pretty good at knowing things we're not good at and we're pretty good at knowing what we don't know but most people aren't good at knowing like what they they are good at they don't recognize their own genius they don't recognize their own beauty. Cause for them, they're just like, Oh, like I'm 
just good at this thing. I'm assuming everybody else is good at this thing or, or it comes easy to them. But for some people, what you're great at or what you're good at or what comes easy to you is like, you know, Vietnamese writing to other people. Like they just cannot get it and will never be able to get it. So that's where it comes down to being really intentional and saying, what is my big idea? What is my zone of fire? Where should I be spending the limited time that I have this day, this week, this month, this time on earth actually doing? And a lot of people, frankly, never get there. You know, something that you mentioned in your book, Common Path to Uncommon Success, is you, and this is something that I've studied a lot from you and and others who are pretty well known in podcasting, and that's on the topic of niching down. Now, uh, I've worked with a lot of people starting their podcasts and and helping in whatever capacity narrow down their their zone of genius if you will but so many people think oh my goodness look at look, just look at apple alone has like over a million podcasts and it's a li- little bit intimidating to think well <laughs> why should i have a podcast when there's already so many and i think the magic of niching down and i want to get your thoughts on this is when you when you really find that niche, there, there's not a million podcasts. There's maybe two at the most. And if you really niche down correctly, maybe you're the only game in town in that niche. So can you just talk a little bit about niching and some of the creative ways that you can discover your niche? Niching is everything. And you may or may not have mentioned this to your listeners before I got on here, but you spent a couple of days with me down here in Puerto Rico. And we were able to uncover a niche that was not being served. That was powerful. That was amazing. Because this is the problem. A lot of people, they do understand the process that they need to identify their big idea. And they know they they need to be living in their zone of fire. And especially if they're listening to this conversation, a lot of them are going to do that, James. They're going to sit down. They're going to identify their zone of fire. But the problem is, guess what? It's a great idea. Your big idea is a great idea. And I mean that genuinely. But the problem is other people have had that idea before because great ideas, they don't just come to you like this. You know, you're, you're the magical only person of the 9 billion people on this planet to have the idea. It's a great idea. Other people have thought about it. They're doing it. The competition is likely fierce because it's a great idea. So you need to discover, uncover, reveal an underserved niche within that big idea. You need to find a void that is not being filled within that big idea. And for some people, that might be niching down one level or two levels, or as I like to say, niching down till it hurts, till you look around and you say two things. Number one, wow, this competition is weak right here in this niche. I'm going to dominate it from day one. Or there's no competition, Like literally, like James, that was my formula to success. The day I launched Entrepreneurs on Fire, it was the best daily podcast interviewing entrepreneurs. It was the worst daily podcast interviewing entrepreneurs. It was the only daily podcast interviewing entrepreneurs. That's why I won. I was working on a 7x exponential quantity release schedule than everybody else in the space. And I won because of that. You've all heard of Grant Cardone's 10X rule, I was 7Xing every other business podcast out there. And I won as a result. There was no competition. So if you can really look at yourself and say, hey, the barrier is so high that the competition is so low, 
you have a chance on winning. And my barrier was super high, seven podcasts a, day, uh, a week. And I was able to build a moat around my business that nobody could replicate. Something that you brought up in your book, and Sana has a question for you, so I'm just going to wrap up my thoughts here. But something that you said about uh, your niche is that I, I, it didn't even occur to me to think of <clears throat> a niche as like the podcasting space. I always, I always think yeah. of a niche as like me, I'm a trumpet player or I'm a musician and you have like entrepreneurship for musicians or whatever. And I always, I always thought of it as a, a specific demographic or an interest, but your, your niche was the podcasts and, and the, the business podcast niche. And, and, and like you use the word convert the converted, I think you said. So you're like, you're, you're focusing on that niche of business people, business minded people who are already listening to podcasts. I didn't, it didn't even occur to me to think of that as a niche. Convert the converted. It's one of my favorite phrases from the book, because listen, so many people are trying so hard to build their audience and they're doing it the wrong way. They're like, John, how do I get more podcast listeners? I'm like, well, where are podcast listeners right now? They're listening to podcasts. I know it's, it's a really hard connection to make, but they are listening to podcasts. So why are you posting things on Facebook and trying to do ads on this and writing blog posts there? Why aren't you being a guest on as many other podcasts as possible in your niche? So you are speaking to podcast listeners. So you are converting the converted. So since you know the fact that the average podcast listener listens to seven podcasts, you just need to become one of the seven. And hopefully you work your way up that list to numbers one, two, or three, and then you're cooking with oil. So that's such a key phrase to think about, convert the converted. And that applies to everybody in every niche. Like we're not just talking about podcasting here. Like how can you take what we're saying right now and apply it to your industry, to your niche, to whatever content you are producing? Very nice. Sana. Well, when I was reading your book, uh, there was a chapter about mentorship um, really draw my attention because you're already very successful and you also emphasize how your mentor um, was your pillar of strength, encouraging you to what you have decided to achieve in your life. I was thinking there are so many mentors out there and um, there are so many, they do it because they want to gain their self-interest or uh, benefit by offering mentorship, they want to kind of gain self-esteem or gain power or work on their leadership skills. So how do you actually know a mentor is a genuine person? How can you build that trust and uh, feel that everything between you and your mentor is transparent? Great question. Chapter five, step five, find your mentor. This is a critical step in the 17-step roadmap. Why? Because your mentor is currently where you want to be. That's where most people fail. They're just like, I want to find a coach, a business coach. And they go on and there's, of course, like you said, Sana, there's a million business coaches, there's a million life coaches, and they all have different agendas. So what I do is I give you a formula in chapter five, in step five, to sit down and to truly be able to identify who your perfect mentor will be. That is a person who is currently where you want to be in life. When I was launching my business podcast, I wanted to be a successful business podcast host. So I made a list of successful business podcast hosts, not of people that were 
you know, MTV music stars. No, like not people that, you know, were running airlines. Like everybody wants Richard Branson to be their mentor. I don't want to run an airline. I'm not going to go to Richard Branson to be my mentor. I want a successful business podcast host. James isn't going to a flute player to learn how to play the trumpet. That's just not happening. But again, common sense isn't common practice. It's pretty obvious in, in the music space. Like you learn from people who actually play your instrument, but it's not common sense in the business space. People don't find the person who is currently where they want to be. Jamie was a successful business podcast host 18 months into her journey. In 18 months, I wanted to be exactly where she was. She could take me there. She could tell me what not to do, what to do. She could introduce me to the right people because she was networked up in those areas. That's the process of finding a mentor. That's the step five on the 17-step roadmap. Thank you, John. And a very small question. <laughs> so um, you are definitely mentoring a lot of your um, clients or maybe apprentices. Um, what is your strategy or how? what are some of the ways you use in order to build a trust between you and your mentees? I make sure that I am providing the best solution to their real problem. Again, this goes back to, I don't do many things. I don't have 15 courses. I have one podcasting course and community, one, Podcaster's Paradise. The reason why it's the best is because that's the only course and community that I run, period. It's the best because that is my focus. And that's how I build the know, like, and trust. I am actually a successful business podcast host who has created who has launched, who has grown his audience to where now over 100 million total listens, over 1.4 million monthly listens, and monetized to the tune of over $20 million over the past nine years. So I've checked off all those blocks. My audience knows that. They followed my journey. They've seen the income reports. They've seen the guests that I brought on. And that's where the trust has been built. So that is the process that we need to be going through you need to be talking the talk, walking the walk, and actually making it happen in the area that you're going to be giving advice in. That's where the focus needs to be. Well, that's outstanding. And our guest has been John Lee Dumas. He's the host of Entrepreneurs on Fire. And go to uncommonsuccessbook.com. And like I said before we brought John on the call, there's just some crazy bonuses. All three of his uh, journals, the physical copies, uh, mailed to your door if you pre-order before, I think it's March 23rd, I believe is the uh, date that it launches. So John, killer work in everything that you do. Many congratulations with your book launch, your success of your podcast, and your impending marriage to the beautiful Kate. Thank you, James. Puerto Rico misses you. And Son, if you can ever convince him to uh, fly you to the Caribbean, <laughs> we, got a, we got a little uh, guest suite here waiting for you. We'd All right, to. we'll be there. <laughs> Thank you, John. <laughs> Thank you. Adios, guys. All right.